Well, welcome back to Two Pastors in a Mic. My name is Shannick. And I'm Corey. And we just want to say thank you so much for listening today. Also, thank you for leaving a review. We have really enjoyed just reading those reviews lately. And man, it's just great encouragement to us. Yeah, make sure you share it too on all social media platforms. Send a text message to your friends. Say, hey, this message or this little podcast was specifically for you. Just kidding. Don't do yeah. that. No, it's but okay. And I got to actually get better it. at that too. This is the podcast that me and you are on and I'm on this podcast, but the last few times I have not shared it. Yeah. WTF. I know. I don't know why. What's I your deal? To. I don't know. Figure it out, bud. I need to figure it out. What's so, this week's question? Yeah, of the week? Question of the week is, so last week, right? We talked about our favorite Southern Indiana restaurant. I had uh, the exchange. You had what? Remind uh, me. Right. Right now, agave and it's rye. agave and rye. Yeah, yeah. So, so we thought we would just continue that conversation and talk we're about- We're still looking for sponsorships, yeah, by the way. So yeah. or if you want to be- Either one. Either one, just holler at us. <laughs> Our numbers and emails are available to you. All right, so we actually want to continue that thought process. Instead of the most favorite, what is our least favorite oh. Southern Indiana restaurant? Got to be a negative Nancy here. My least favorite Southern Indiana restaurant is definitely by far, and it's not even close, Tumbleweed. Dude. I don't even have another one because that's mine. Like, it's not even close. The worst. The worst. They claim to be Tex-Mex, but it's just like, I don't know. There's not much Texas about it, and there's not definitely not Mexican about it. Like, I've I don't been, even know what it is. I got food poisoning twice from going to Tumbleweed, and I called the regional manager. They sent me, like, a $50 free coupon, which was nice. Good customer service, but I'm, I Didn't never— use it? No, heck no. You still have it? I don't know. It's oh. lost. I mean, I got four kids to feed, bro. I'll take that <laughs> gift card. I, if it's I just will never go to Tumbleweed by myself again. Like, if I am have the option of choosing, it'll never be Tumbleweed. Whenever yeah. somebody's like, hey, let's do lunch, I always say, give me three options and if just to, get a, just to never have to eat yeah. at Tumbleweed ever again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, honestly, it's so bad. Like, dude, I think I would prefer Taco Bell I w- over Tumbleweed. I would prefer Taco Bell. I would prefer almost anything over Tumbleweed. Yeah. It's- Man, that's so funny that we both had the same one. <laughs> <laughs> but my in-laws oh. love that. Okay, my in-laws love the chips and queso, and they get it all the time. That's a different conversation. But yeah, yeah. I, I hope still not never, great. But uh, not but, great. But I understand. I'd rather a go to bit. Qdoba's and get the yeah. case. And now back in the day, 20, 30 years ago, like it was like the spot. I know you're not from around here, but it's kind of like a Louisville thing. I think it got started in the Louisville area and um, tumbleweed, tumbleweed, dude, tumbleweed was the place to go out to eat, man. They had them all over the place, man. They were hopping hour hour long wait, dude. It was unreal. This was before you got here, moved here. Yeah. It was unreal. Well, I carried that negative spirit and hopefully just kidding. It, yeah. I mean, if you work there, all the power to you. If you like that restaurant and you've now turned us off because of it, we love yeah. you. Sorry about that. Yeah. No, it's all good. <laughs> what are we and hey, if you want to pay week? for dinner, hey, I we, will go with somebody to have a conversation with them over dinner we at can, Tumbleweed. We can move on. But I ain't paying. We can move on. All right, let's move on. So last week we talked about you're not broken. And we really kind of attacked this whole ideology in the Christian culture of sin, sin nature. nature. Yep. We're going to dissect that a little bit more. I think it's really important. We talked a little bit about the history last week. But before we get into this, I, I want to just blanket statement something. Well, not really blanket statement, but but just for the record. Uh, I used to believe in sin nature. I used to argue for sin nature. And so I, I want to encourage you, like, if you disagree with us uh, on where we've come in our journey and walk with Jesus around this conversation, I just want to encourage you that, hey, we can agree to disagree and still be friends and whatnot. The reason why we're bringing this up is because we both have found so much freedom in removing this mindset from our thoughts and beliefs specifically around 
Christianity. And so, yeah, I, I just want you to know that I, I know the rebuttals. I've listened to the rebuttals. I used to argue with those rebuttals. Right. I'm just, I, I've moved on from that having, you know, looked at the evidence and kind of what we talked yeah, about last week. I think week for both of week. us, yeah, for both of us, our, um, our, what we feel like, I believe our, our purpose is in life is to help people believe they matter. But if you have a mindset where you see people as broken and you look at people and just see them as, oh, that's a sinner, like you can't help people believe they matter if you don't think they matter. Mm -hmm. And so. And they only become assignments when you view them that way and they can see right through that. Right. And honestly, um, I had some good friends of mine listen to the podcast uh, from last week because in the the Christian world, it was a topic that is a little bit controversial. Mm -hmm. And for maybe a lot of you that listened to it, maybe it was new for you. And anytime we're faced with something new, there's always a questioning and maybe um, a worry on what you're listening to and should you be listening to it? And so I just wanted to get some feedback from, from just some friends. These aren't even friends that are in church, around church, but I was just excited about it. Not only that, I believe we're close to like 4,000 downloads. Mm -hmm. And these are guys that have my corner, have my back and are just friends. And I said, man, I'm pumped that we're almost to this level, man. Here's our most recent podcast. I think um, it's one of those podcasts that that people will judge me for, but man, I appreciate you guys not judging me for it. And by the way, why don't you just listen to it and let me know what you think. And these guys reached back out and were like, man, so pumped for you. Glad you're reaching that level. Glad you're continuing. Cause it was, last week was what our 29th podcast. Mm-hmm. So this is our 30th. And they're like, man, I'm just so proud of you for just staying after it and staying consistent. And by the way, I don't see what the big, big deal with what you were saying. Like, you mean people in the Christian community don't see people as good? And I'm like, exactly. Right. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That is, that is crazy. They couldn't believe that that was even an issue. Right. And so why are we making it an issue if like people that don't even know Jesus, or I'll say they might know him, but they don't really know him, if you know what I mean. And so they're even had a point where, man, they see people as good and not broken. They can see the best about people and in people. Why can't we? Right. Right. So real quick recap of last week, we talked about uh, the history of where sin nature, the idea even came from. It, it was, uh, the, the first 400 years of the church didn't believe it. It was an idea that was coming or that came from Augustine. Uh, then we talked about the great schism of 1054, the quote by Daniel oh, uh, Schroyer, which we, I've so had good. several people text me personally about, Hey, who is that? Who is that lady that that quote is? And she said, when a person turns toward evil, we don't call it destiny. We call it tragedy. Right. And I, I, I love that. I know that was new for you last week. You heard yeah. that. And we, we've, we've had great discussions around that this past week. Yeah, we don't call it destiny. Like it, I, I, I'm still thinking about it a week later. Yeah. Like, why won't we just say, "Oh, well, then that's that's just their nature. That's okay." But no, we're heartbreaking or we're heartbroken over it. We're grieving, yeah. and we're upset. Why? Because that's not who they were made to be. Yep. Yep. And so, sin for far too long has played the starring role in Christianity, and it shouldn't. It frames the gospel as a story of separation, but God calls us good and beloved before we are anything else, and so we have to shift from telling this story that has been um, kind of geared towards, oh, you're separated from Christ, and bring it back to this to the fact and reality that we have always been connected to our Father, and we always will be connected to our Father. There is no distance between you and your Father. Whether you believe or not, God is in you in the terms of like, 
we want you to awaken to it, awaken to who you have always been. And we just believe you are good. Right. And one of the verses that is a go-to for us is Ephesians 2.10. And it talks about how we are God's masterpiece. And then Mm -hmm. it goes on to say created in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say created in Adam. It doesn't say created in in Adam and born a sinner. Mm -hmm. No, it says created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance Mm -hmm. for us to do. Now let's think about this. So we've had a destiny before we were even born. He created it in advance. So why do we think that people come into this world as a broken sinner instead of coming into this world that's already been pre-planned for us to be here to make a difference? So then we must be inherently good at our core if we're like God mm-hmm. and we have a purpose and a destiny that God's given us I love to it. fulfill here. Like, yeah, like it, it just begins to make sense as you continue to think about it. And even looking at 2 Timothy 1.9, it says that, we were totally blessed before time began. Again, mm-hmm. that, that concept of before we were even created, we were called blessed. Mm-hmm. And so how could we be blessed before time was cre- even created? We come into time when we're born and we're not how we were previous. Like I, to right. me, it just, There's this, a disconnect. this just speaks. Yeah, it, there, there is a di- disconnect. And of course, you know, Romans says that we all sin and we fall short. And I get that, right? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But it doesn't mean that we're born that way, right? There's a difference, and I love this. There's a difference between having fallen and being fallen, right? And Because it's, what is it, James 1 tells us that we're even drawn away by like our own desire, right? Mm -hmm. And our own lust Mm -hmm. in that, right? Yeah, I love that. Uh, I think for me, like, those conversations really helped start it. Jake Stringer, one of our good friends, he put out a Facebook post several years ago. I copied and pasted it. He says this, now think about it this way. Here's another perspective. We seek the lost because lostness is evidence of original belonging. Have you ever thought about how the one sheep that got away was part of the original 100? How was he noticed to have been missing if he was not previously found? The beginning of every person's story is belonging with God, not separation from God. This message releases wholeness within a person's heart. Jesus came to restore spiritual sight to humanity that was seen through a veil, seeing a distorted view of who God was and who they were. Jesus never told anyone to change their nature, but he did teach that they weren't seen clearly. And I I love that thought from Jake. Big shout out to you. Yeah, Jake Stringer. Yeah, if you haven't heard of Jake Stringer, look him up on Facebook, man. He will will challenge you Mm -hmm. in, in what you believe. And he's really all about changing mindsets from seeing God in this judicial role and really seeing God as father. Matter of fact, he's coined the phrase Abbaology, mm-hmm. right? He seeing actually God has his dad. own class. We'd encourage you to look into that if yeah. you, you want to get further education. Yeah, and, but I love uh, that. Like we seek the lost because of their original belonging. Yeah. No. And, and, and speaking of that, let me go back to James 1. And I know I just mentioned it briefly. Let me just read something for you real quick. Um it says that each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enhanced. That's what we talked about. Mm-hmm. And then in verse 15 of chapter one of James, it says, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And then sin, when it's full, full grown, gives birth to death. So if we just stop for a minute and realize it wasn't sin already in our life that gives birth to the desire, it's our own desire that then gives birth to sin, mm. which is even further proof that no, we're not necessarily born a dirty, rotten sinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because again, if you're born with a sin nature, then you don't have to take responsibility for your poor choices in life. 
And so teaching against the sin nature actually puts more responsibility on us to behave in a way that honors not just our friends and family, but the people that we do life with, the people that we want to reach. I'll put it to you this way. Here's another great thought perspective. How is it that the high priest in the Old Testament, which was a shadow of Christ, wearing a breastplate with 12 precious stones representing the entire nation, could go into the Holy of Holies with the blood of the Lamb on the Day of the Atonement and redeem the entire nation of Israel in one moment each year without their repentance or confession single-handedly done by the high priest alone. And we believe this to be true. But the high priest Jesus Christ can enter the heavenly temple with his own blood on the Day of the Lord, and we cannot believe that he redeemed all of mankind in one moment single-handedly. Paul even said, all these things are shadows of Christ, but we either don't see it, can't see it, or refuse to see see it. it. Yeah. Wow. Dude, that's so good. And when you think about it and you put that in perspective, that when we read some of these Old Testament stories, and okay, a priest would go in and literally, like he would slaughter, right? Mm -hmm. A a bull, a goat, whatever, and the blood would atone for the sins of the people um, for an entire year. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, I messed up all year long, but it's okay because eventually on the day of atonement, that one day a year, the priest is going to make a sacrifice and my sins are going to be forgiven. And yet when Jesus does this, why can't we see that he did this? And he, scripture even says in Hebrews later on, it says he did this once for all. Mm-hmm. It happened once yeah. and it was for all. Yeah. He doesn't need to die every year. He doesn't need to die every year. He doesn't need to get re-sacrificed every time you make a mistake and mess up. We've already done. Go, we don't need to bring back animal sacrifice. Thank Jesus God. was the once and for all. It is finished. You have already been redeemed. Now awaken to it and yeah. watch it change your life. Absolutely. And so the Greek word for sin nature is, yeah, let's talk about it. is sarx, S-A-R-X. And it is used in the scriptures, except for it doesn't mean sin nature. In fact, sin nature isn't used one time in the scriptures. The word that got translated as sin nature is the word sarks, but it doesn't mean that. It actually just means flesh. Flesh. Right. And it used to be translated as sin nature in the NIV before 2011. They actually fixed the translation in 2011 because they heard the feedback. Oh, shoot, we mistranslated this word. And so now if you have a NIV Bible that's after 2011, you will see that the sin nature is yeah. not even in and your Bible. And they had to change it. And here's one of the biggest reasons why is John chapter 1, verse 14. Many of you guys listening, if you don't mm-hmm. know John chapter 1, it starts with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Mm-hmm. Right? It's Jesus. And right. later on in verse 14, it says the Word became flesh. Sh- you probably sarks. even just said that with me, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Mm -hmm. And I even love, of course, how the message translation put that the word puts on skin and moved into the neighborhood, Uh but it's Jesus, right? The word became flesh. So it's that word sarks. And so if we use sarks in other places as sin nature, that means that it has to say there, the word became sin nature. So do you think that Jesus became sin nature? He would think he was born with a sinful nature, because if you do believe that we were born with a sinful nature, then you have to believe that Jesus was born with a sinful nature. Well, well, here's how the people get around that. They actually believe that because it was Mary and it was the seed from the spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Not an actual human father that they believe that that's where the sin natures passed down is from the father. Gotcha. That's how they do this little runaround. But in this literal thing, it has to be translated. The word became sin nature, right? Which obviously isn't correct. The word just became 
flesh. So let's let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah. So flesh is what is physical and related to the five senses. Now we're talking about science. Senses. Senses. Yep. Did I say that? Uh, I don't think I don't think so. It came off weird. It's okay. Taste, touch, smell, hear, and see can also be used negatively, referring to making decisions according to oneself, unaided human effort. Decisions that originate from self or are empowered by self, which is desire. Martin Trench says it this way, there are different kinds of sarks or natures, one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. Dogs have a canine nature. Cats have a feline nature. Cows have a bovine nature. People have a human Human nature. nature. And the only place where there was conflict on someone being born of sin is found in Psalm 51.5, and it's referencing yeah, David. I, yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, I think I know where you're going with this, and I've heard this, and if this is the first time you've ever heard this, do not let this jack with your mind, because I'm going to be honest, when I first heard what I'm getting ready to share with you, my mind was blown. I don't even know if I can wrap my head around it completely or fully yet, But the only place, like Corey just said, where people want to go to to have a proof text of original sin nature, right, is Psalm 51.5. And it talks about um, how um, uh, David was uh, was born in iniquity Mm -hmm. and meaning he he was born with a sin nature. But there are actually some scholars that believe that maybe David actually was not the son of Jesse. And if you remember the story, um, I believe it's Nathan who comes and he wants to anoint the next king of Israel and he goes to Jesse's house and he says, where are your sons? He lines up all of the brothers and he goes down through the list. None of them were the one that uh, Nathan was supposed to anoint. He's like, don't you have another son? Oh, well, David, he's out tending sheep. He's just out in the, in the, you know, in the pasture with the flock. He didn't even bring him. Why could it be that he was possibly, um, not Jesse's full son. And actually Psalm 69, eight, if you look that up, it says that David was a stranger to his brothers. Now this word stranger could be translated a bastard, Mm -hmm. which means Jesse might not have been his dad. Mm -hmm. And that's what it was talking about. The act of which David, you know, was conceived, Mm -hmm. not how he was born. Well, let me unpack that real quick. Psalm 51.5 in the NIV says this, Surely, David speaking, I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And that's where people get this idea. But if you look it up in the original Hebrew, the literal translation is, Behold, in in iniquity I was brought forth, and in sin conceived me, my mother. That's the literal, obviously, because you know in Hebrew it doesn't translate perfectly. So yeah, it's it wasn't necessarily that he was born in a sinful nature. It's that he was conceived in sin, his mother potentially having an affair, and that's how he was conceived. Yeah, not talking about who he was, but talking about his mother's. Yeah, and it takes away nothing from his story. It takes yep. away nothing from what he did and the accomplishment and what he did, you know, um, for the nation of Israel and how God worked through him to eventually even his lineage right? To bring forth Jesus. It, yeah. it does, it does not change the story if that is true. Yep. Yeah. And so like, yeah, sin does not have a starring role in Christianity. You have never been separated from the father. We see this in Genesis chapter one, when mm-hmm. Adam and Eve sinned by choice, 
they had responsibility. They had to deal with their decision. Right. And what and did God do? There was consequences. There was for their consequences action. for their sin. So we're not saying, hey, just because you don't have a sin nature, go and sin freely. No, right. there are consequences that that hurt real life yeah. people. This is why you avoid sin. Right. But what did the Father do? But he ran yeah. to them. Yeah. Well, God still came and He still called out, "Where are you?" Because yep. He was used to fellowshipping with them every single day. But they are the ones that hid themselves. Yep. But we always want to talk about, oh, you know, this sin nature piece, and that just sh- shows that and proves that we're separated from God. Well, no, even from the very beginning, God still came. Yep. In Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son, it doesn't say the son lost his sonship. It says when he came to his senses, he went back to the father. He lost his senses, not his sonship. He he lost his identity of who he always was. Right. So what did he do? He ran back to the father, a picture of the father always being readily available to accept you in his loving and redeeming arms at all times. Yep, absolutely. So story after story after story, you see that God is a God of love, of redemption, of embracing. He made us to be very good, and he looked at us when he made us and called us very good. That is your original identity. That is who you are. You are not broken. You are a son or a daughter of God. Some of us just need to awaken to it. Yeah, well, let me let me just go here for a second, and this is probably how we'll, we'll end this podcast um, on sin nature is because I feel like the rebuttal is going to be, and the question that we are going to get asked. So if people are inherently good, mm-hmm. not sinful, if there's not original sin, but original blessing, then why did Jesus have to come? Why did Jesus have to die? Why need Jesus? Right. Yeah. I feel like that's what we're going to get asked. Yeah. I mean, but there's a lot of answers. Uh, here's yeah, a, simple, just a few. Here's a simple illustration. If someone gives me a million dollars in my bank account, but I don't believe it to be true, I'll never reap the benefits of taking that million dollars. Yeah. It could be true, and it's in my bank account, but I don't believe it to be true. So right. I never access the blessing of the million dollars. The same is true. Like you've already been accredited as originally blessed in your bank, in your spiritual bank account. But if you don't believe it to be true, you won't experience the benefits of living with an identity that was given to you based on Jesus. So in, in my opinion, the reason for why you awaken to Jesus my number one reason isn't for love because I think some non-Christians love better than uh, most Christians. It's not, it's not an issue of love for me. It's an issue of peace. Mm-hmm. For me, the number one reason for why I follow Jesus is because of the peace that he brings me personally in every area. That means, you know, following Jesus doesn't mean you're exempt from chaos and exempt from bad things just happening in your life but he gives you peace in the midst of those circumstances in the right. midst of that pain. And only Jesus brings that peace. And so I don't know how anybody lives without knowing who they are because of an identity that was already given to them. Right. Yeah. And I would say the same for me. I think the peace issue is so, so big. And also that peace leads to joy mm-hmm. and understanding um, my identity and who I am, I think just, you know, opens, opens me up to just really what God is also doing here on the earth, right? And how he's establishing his kingdom. And I think until you get to the place where you really are following after Jesus because of the peace that he brings, the rest, and then experiencing that joy, I think you miss a lot of the kingdom that's probably right in front of your face. Right here in front of your face. It's happening right now all over the place. I mean, Jesus made humanity righteous, but you'll never live properly righteous until you recognize that it was a gift freely given to you. You can't earn more yeah. righteousness and you are more you can't get more righteous than you already are right now as a listener you are 100% righteous because of Christ yeah. but you will never live that way if you don't believe it to be true because it transforms the way you think about not only you but about other people and so recognizing that Jesus did all this man it's an awakening but once you know this 
it it almost forces responsibility because you recognize that because of the power of Christ living in you, you have the power to bring change in your neighborhoods, which ultimately will people will be attracted to the way that you live because you love genuinely. Yeah, and I believe that that comes from Jesus. Yeah, there's when you love with that kind of love that Jesus had for us. When you love others and see others that way, man, it's a it's a love without agenda, and I think it's just authentic. Is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. I think a lot of people you know, that I know love because of what they can get in return. But when you just love to love without ever expecting anything in return, that's how you love like Jesus. Mm. And that's how we should live. It's beautiful. And again, we get that this might be tough for some people to hear. I was so ingrained in religion that I rejected this message for several years before I embraced it, really struggled with it. So we get that this could be a process for some of you. Some of you are really ready to hear it, though, and recognizing, man, this might be that switch that helps you view people differently, recognizing that they are good, recognizing that they are loved, recognizing that brokenness isn't who people are. Brokenness is a result of trauma that we all experience in our lives. And it's our job as Christians to bring people back to the wholeness that they were born with because of Christ. Yep. To awaken that identity that they already have. Yeah. I love it. That's all we got this week. Yeah. That's all we got. Hopefully you were blessed by that. And again, if this is, uh, you know, helpful for you, or if you need, you know, um, maybe just feedback. Maybe you're going through a process uh, of this on your own and maybe you want help in the journey. Reach out to us. Let us know. Yeah. You're loved and there's nothing you can do about it.